Last week's sermon was Let's Grow Up. And I shared that growing up is all about growing up in our relationship with Jesus, with the Father and with Jesus. The growing up is really about positioning ourselves or pushing ourselves to experience the love of God. And not simply to know about it, but to actually consistently and intentionally position ourselves to experience the love of God. To live a life of faith, if you like. And so this morning I really want to jump off that and I want to go on from there. And what I want to do is um, look at what faith looks like and actually how we grow in faith. So I want to talk about the life cycle of faith. And, and today it's going to be a little bit different than what I normally do because it's going to be a bit more of a teaching kind of thing. And I believe it's actually going to take us over a couple of weeks to kind of unpack this. So um, we'll probably be looking at this week and next week. So let's begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 9. It says this, therefore, we're always confident to know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. You know, that's so opposite to the world that we live in. I mean, the world says, hey, if you can see it, you can believe it. But in the kingdom, the kingdom priority is if you can believe it, you can see it. It's exactly the opposite. For we live by faith, not by sight. And we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or far away from it. So here's something that he emphasizes. He emphasizes confidence. He talks about it twice. That we live by faith. We have one life goal. And that life goal is, is really shared by all of us. And it's a, to live a life that is pleasing to God. To live a life that is pleasing to God. So what does it mean to please God? Well, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, it's impossible to please God if you don't have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So from just going off these two pieces of scripture, what can we know? Well, firstly, we know that we have confidence. Now, some of you may sort of kind of think, listen, I'm not the most confident person in the world. But let me tell you that once you place trust in Jesus Christ, and once you begin to live a life of faith, God will build you up in your confidence. And living your life with faith, you get to please God. And that's why he says we're confident that we we have faith. We live by faith. Our aim is to please God. Why? Why? Because, as I've already said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So what is it about faith that makes life so important? You know, if I went around this room right now, and I was to ask you, those of you who are aware of your strengths and your weaknesses, in other words, what you're good at and what you may be weak in, I mean, most of us would have some degree of self-awareness of where we are in our lives. So why do we need to have faith in God if we're aware of our strengths and our weaknesses when some of us have, don't even have faith in ourselves? You know, I mean, the most of us are confident in the strengths we have, but there are also weaknesses that I know that I have and that I had for the longest time. And, and as if I'm called upon something and it means tapping into a weakness, then, then I'm going to need some sort of empowerment from outside, aren't I? And that is why God is always making himself available to us. 
I mean, for me, one of the biggest things is actually was actually speaking. When I first started feeling that I public speaking, I was so nervous. I would stutter and my, my mouth would be dry and I would have so much fear. I'd, I'd write things on my hand and on pieces of paper and on, because I was scared I'd get it all wrong. Even write my own wife's name on because I, I, sometimes I'd get up and I would actually tell people, if I start praying for, here's one of my little secrets, if I start praying for them and bless them and look up, it's because I can't remember their name. So for goodness sake, pray their name so I know who it is we're standing in. I mean, I was like that. I was so, so nervous. I was so nervous with it all. I'd choke up. My voice would get shaky and, and even go on. But guess what? You see, God saw that weakness. And he said, I'm going to put my strength in there. Because now that you realize that you're weak, weak in that area, any success that you have in that area, in public speaking, you're going to give me credit for. Because you know that you can only do it by my grace. You see, that's why we need faith. That's why we need faith, guys. Because God shines his grace through our weaknesses. And it's those weaknesses in us that he turns into our strength. Now, it's interesting because when we talk about faith, there seems to be different levels of faith. Romans 12.2 says this, For I say through the grace that was given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than we ought to think, so in other words, don't think, you know, get too puffed up about things, but to so soberly think as God has dealt with each one of us. Now look at these words. That God has dealt to us, each one of us in this room, a measure of faith. You have a measure of faith this morning. You have a measure of faith. You see, faith can be measured. Which means there are levels of faith. There's great faith and there's little faith. And Jesus himself used those words. Again, you know, when the disciples were in the storm and they're all panicking and Jesus comes to him and he says, you have little faith. He's talking about what potential they had, the little faith, and I've preached about that a long time. You see, if we have, we can have different levels of faith. The truth is that if you have little faith, then you can also have great faith. I don't know about you, but I, I've encountered people with little faith. And, and honestly, in my life, I've been one of those people. But, you know, I've also encountered people of great faith. I uh, spent a day with Chris Gore this week, and I was just chatting to him, and he, we were talking about various things, and he was telling me, well, he told me this a couple of years ago, that he had the privilege of, of leading a healing school. And it was in one of the maximum security prisons in Texas. And it was with the inmates. And um, he was training them how to pray for the sick. And most of these guys are lifers. And this one particular guy had found a glorious salvation, just shone with the love of Jesus, and he was now praying for the sick. And he wrote a letter to Chris a couple of weeks ago. And in the letter, he was telling Chris about all the healings. But there was one thing he couldn't understood, understand. He couldn't understand why not everyone was getting healed yet. You see, in his mind... He had such confidence and such faith in Jesus Christ, the God who had brought his transformation in his heart. He couldn't understand why someone wasn't getting healed. He expected everybody to get healed. I mean, that's faith, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that is real faith. I wish I had that kind of faith. You know, when you, when you read of the people in the Bible, People who, who couldn't even speak like Moses, chosen by God to be the deliverer of Israel. 
When you look at this kid, David, I mean, his father forgot about him. Samuel turns up and says, I'm going to choose one of your sons to be king. And his dad didn't even bring him out. He was that unimportant. These are the people that God uses. God goes to him and says, he's the one. She's the one. I want to use that person. Because those are the ones that he finds. Now, you know, you may be in this room today and you may be thinking, yeah, but you know what? I am good. I am hot. i got everything going for me. You know what I mean? Man, I, I am successful. I'm kind of good looking. I kind of... I'm kind of, you know, I got a whole bundle of money going. I am just hot. Well, you know what? I want to tell you what. God can even use you. It's the good news, all right? So it's okay. But right now, I'm actually talking to people who are normal. <laughs> people who, who are aware of their weaknesses, perhaps even more than their strengths. And who are maybe sitting here and saying, I wish I had more faith. You see, if God gives each one of us a measure of faith, for me, my next question is, God, how do I increase my faith? I want more. I want more. And what I want to do this morning and over next week is want to take you on a journey where I believe we can start at one level of faith, and as we journey through, we can reach another level. By the end of our journey, we'll be at a whole other level of faith. What have I just done? Oh. Time out. You know, you might be in this room today and you might actually be thinking, I don't know, I cannot remember that when the last time I did something that actually took me faith to do. You see, our tendency is to do things that we have, that are within the confines of our own strength. You know, our tendency is to live within the limits of what we know we can do, to do things we know we can do and not depend on God. You see, sometimes we, we, to dream of the impossible just feels like foolishness. But you know what? God wants us to dream again. You, do you remember when you were a five-year-old and, and you dreamed of maybe, I don't know, being a, a doctor or a, uh, uh, an airline pilot or, or even Superman? You know? And, and do you remember that time? I mean, you know, as I've said before, I can walk up to a four-year-old and I give them some crowns and I said, and tell them, say to them, uh, you know, are you an artist? And he'll say, yeah, give me your wall and I'll show you what I'm all about. You know? But if you go to a 25-year-old and give him paintbrushes, you probably won't get the same answer. Because we learn to um, learn through the many voices of our life who we are and who we are not. And we stop dreaming of the impossible because we believe what other people's opinions of us. We allow our successes and even our failures to define what we and are and what we are not capable of. But you see, when we place our life in Jesus, that should change. But the problem is we so often place enough faith in Jesus to be forgiven and one day to fly off to heaven but we don't have enough faith in God to live an extraordinary supernatural life on earth. And I believe that God is calling us to a greater life. I believe that God is calling every single one of us here to live a greater life. 
So where do we begin? The first place we need to begin is with capacity. Yeah, everyone has capacity. You know what? Every single one of us has the same amount of time lot at 24 hours in a day. But not everyone has the same levels of energy. Not everyone has the same capacity. I mean, there are those who can go through nine hours of meeting, back to back, every single hour having a meeting, and they come out at the end of the nine hours and they're energized, they're totally blown away. And then another person looks at them and says, if they can do that, I'm going to do that. And after the fourth hour, man, they had just wrung out. They had just finished. Because, why? Because capacity. Everyone has different capacity. And capacity could be exchanged with the word uh, potential. It could be exchange, even exchanged for the word capability. What is your capacity? What can you do? You see, if I came and asked you to bring to the table what you bring to the table that no one else can bring, that's your capability, that's your capacity. What comes easy to you that doesn't come easy to the person next to you? Because we do have those talents. And in New Zealand, we have a tendency to sometimes downplay those. Oh, well, no, I'm not. But there's a reality. God has given each one of us a capacity. What do you feel like that you do in your lifetime that just comes naturally? It's as if God has been gifted for you. Because whatever that is, that is your potential. And if you don't know what you're capable of doing, then you need to go to God and ask him. Because everybody here has something. And it can be in all sorts of areas. I mean, if I went around and asked, for instance, admin. Who, who, who loves admin? Don't need to show your hand. Yeah, Sue does. <laughs> you know? But there are people in this room that are brilliant at administration. There are other people that aren't brilliant at their administration. Who think, man, that, you know, that's torture. That'll be part of the ministry time afterwards, God. <laughs> but you know, when, when we see, when you bring your life to Jesus Christ, He takes into consideration your strengths and your weaknesses and how you view yourself. He takes into consideration your view of your potential and then He adds to what you have. He adds to you. What does He add? He adds His grace, He adds His Holy Spirit. And he adds to your potential, your dream, his dream for your life. And he calls you to do things that would otherwise terrorize you because it seems so impossible to do. So far-fetched for you. Now, I've ta I talked about it myself. Same was with Sue. You know, 10 years ago, you would have never got her speaking publicly. Today, speaking regularly around the nation, teaching, training. Because God's taken and done something in us, transformed us. And my question for you this morning is, what are you capable of doing in this lifetime? What are you capable of doing? See, that thing that at the end of your life, when you've done it, people who know you will look at you and say, how did you do that? I know you, and you are not capable of doing that. It must have been God working through you. That thing, what are you capable of? You see, there are three areas that I believe that we need to understand that help us understand what our capacity is. The first one is vision. There are goals that we have for our lives. You know, I, I trust that we all have goals for our lives. 
It might be a, a, a six-month financial goal. It could be a, a, a fitness goal. It could be whatever. You know, in fact, we all do have goals in our lives. It's whether we write them down or we think about them. Even if you don't actually think like that, you have a goal. I mean, you might be thinking, man, you know, what am I going to be doing for holidays next Christmas? That's a goal as you plan and begin to think for it. But, you know, we, we all have vision. See, I'm wanting to make this as practical as I can for you guys today. Sometimes we spiritualize things so out of reach that we don't embrace it. But there are some really practical keys that allow us to increase our faith and walk in it. And that's what I'm trying to share for you. And the, this having vision is one of those things. Take Joseph, a regular guy, one of many brothers, goes to sleep one night and God gives him a dream, a vision of who he was going to be and what he was going to do. And that dream, he never let go of it. You see, the dream came true because he never let go of it. It was always in front of him. It was always in his mind's eye. It was always there. It was always in his imagination. And he was always working towards it for whatever he went through. And he went through some incredibly bad times and situations. And God released that vision in his life. He had a vision and he didn't let it go. No matter what he went through. You know, there, there's some of you in a place of prayer or worship, when you close your eyes, you, you begin to dream of something greater, of you, doing, of you doing something beyond, stuff beyond yourself. That's God. That's God. You see, we have a sense that we're, we're, we're called to do something greater than what we're doing right now. And that's vision. And that's part of growing in our capacity. The second area is in history. Our history. If I was to look over your shoulder at your track record with God, what would I see? So you think about David. Just an ordinary guy. Goes in the battle. Goes in the battle. But when you think about it, all, all he was doing was he was looking after his sheep. And one day his dad comes to him and says, listen, you, you, your brothers are all fighting and, and I want to send them some nice presents just to encourage them. Why don't you take it to the front? And so he goes there and he takes the, the food there and suddenly this giant comes out of the enemy camp terrorizing the people of Israel. And David's standing there and thinks, hey, this isn't right. And the next thing that happens is he takes that guy out. What did he do? How did he do it? I mean, he had no weapon. He had a stick. He had a pouch with five stones and a kid's sling. He wore no armor. He had no sword. But what did he rely on? He relied on the memory of the days that he had killed the bears and the lions and that God had been with him. He thought, listen, if God has been with me in the past when I dealt with those lions and those bears, he will be with me today as I deal with that giant. So we need to look at our vision for our future. We need to look at our history from our past. And the last thing in our capacity is we need to have an awareness. An awareness. Not just an awareness of yourself, but an awareness of who God is. An awareness of who God is. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, you know, Paul writes this letter. Now you've got to think about this. Paul, Paul who wrote two-thirds of the books of the Bible. The guy who planted more New Testament churches than any other person, who trained up more leaders than anyone else. Because of him, we really are where we are today in the Christian faith. And this is what he says. 
For I am least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by his grace to me, it was not without effect. You see, I want to tell you that God has given every single person in this room grace. The question that we need to ask ourselves today is this. The grace of God that has been placed inside of us, what are we doing with it? The grace of God that has been placed inside of you, what are you doing with it? Because this guy says, listen, it was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Paul is there arguing. He's saying, listen, I'm, 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 that all, I'm less than all these other apostles. I'm, I, I persecuted the church. In fact, I probably even persecuted some of the churches that these guys planted. I was going against the work of God. I was going against the move of God. But somehow he chose me. And I found faith in Jesus Christ and he gave me his grace. And now by the end of my life, I've worked harder than all these other guys have put together. I probably raised up more leaders and more churches. But listen, he says, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. I did more than all of them. But it wasn't me. It was the grace of God. And I want to ask you today, what is your vision of the future? What is the history in your past? What are, are you aware of God's grace as much as you're aware of your weaknesses? Because when we put those three things together, you'll understand what your potential is. You'll understand and you'll begin to have an idea of what you can get done. And let me say this on the, on the last point about awareness. If you develop your awareness of who God is, to be honest, you can forget the rest. Because anything will be impossible. Anything will be possible. Anything. You see, the impossible becomes logical when God is in the equation. The impossible becomes possible when God is in the equation. So let me ask you: Do you do you? believe you, you have the potential to achieve what God has called you to. If you don't, then get with God. And say, God, what are you willing to do through me? Because he wants to do great things. You know what? A lot of you have a lot more going than what Noah did, than what Moses did, than what Gideon did, than what Jeremiah did. And these are people who, who, in spite of their weaknesses, God still used them. And you have a lot more going for you than they did. And it's the same God that moved through them that wants to move through you every single day. So when are you going to get up and do something? Don't keep putting it off. Don't keep saying one day. Your time matters. Here's a sobering fact. You'll be closer to death by the end of the time I speak than what you are now. But don't worry, I'm not going to speak that long, but you are going to be closer. <laughs> it's a fact. Time waits for no one. Time waits for no one. You know, um, Jeff Bezos, the uh, CEO of Amazon, I read an interview of him when he first started out when, when Amazon was still, whether it was going to fail or, or make it many years ago, and he, and he talked about regret minimization. 
He said, what happens if when I'm 80 years old, I'm sitting on the front porch, my regret is that I never tried. He said, so this is why he did Amazon. He said, I had a dream and I didn't want, I wanted to, to minimize the regrets I have when I, don't, when I get older, so I'd rather give it a try. Folks, we've got to give it a try. We've got to give it a try. God is giving us an invitation to give it a try. Time waits for no one. You can't buy it. The only thing you can do is use the time you've been given. The next thing is knowing your potential is not enough. You've got to take actions. You need to take action. You know, and sometimes when you take action, it requires risk. It requires risk. Sometimes, you know, we just want to come up in the line and just get a nice prophetic word. Tell me, tell me, tell me how good I am, what I'm going to do. Let me know. Thank you, Jesus. You know? Or we go to, or we go to the life group and say, you know, let it, lay it on me. I'm here. I'm here. And that becomes enough for us. And so we sit there with a bag full of promises, doing nothing, never cashing in what God has for us. Why? Because the cash in on the promises requires risk. You see, you know, I, I could point to someone right now, call someone out and, and, and prophesy over you that you've got a healing gift, that you're called to lay, put your hands on someone and heal them. You have that potential. And see, once that, that word is spoken, the potential is there for you because you were given a promise. And you've got a vision because you're aware of what God wants you to do. But it's not just enough to, to have it. You've got to step out. You've got to do something about it. But so many of us don't because we're scared of the risk. We're scared that it, we might fail. That it's difficult. It means I have to walk up to someone and say, excuse me, I notice you're limping. Can I pray for you? And that's hard because we're scared of failure. Look, and I understand. I have been there. You kind of you come up, you know, can, you know, do you mind if I can lay hands on you and pray and you're going to be healed in Jesus' name? And you put your hand on their knee and you shundi bundi and you pray and you believe. And you, you say, you know, how's that? Are you better? How, how are you feeling now? Oh, worse? I squeezed too hard? Oh, I'm sorry. Let, let me get it. You know what I'm saying? We, we get into that problem. You know? Listen, I've been there. I understand that. There's always risk involved. There's always risk involved. But just as I prophesied with Jess this morning, it's time to step out of the boat. It's time to step out of the boat. You know, James says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but, show it by, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. <laughs> but then you don't give up the, the person any food or clothing. What good does it do? Now let this next verse resonate in your, in your heart. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some have people have faith, others have good deeds. You know, to be honest, those are the people who sit in the church and say, well, I have faith, but don't do anything about it. 
And, and here's a question I want to ask. What in the last two weeks have you done that would have been impossible without God? What in the last two weeks have you done that would have been impossible without God being in your life? Just a thought. And I don't mean breathing, you know. He's everything I breathe. No, I'm not talking about it. Seriously, you know. I don't mean that. What have you done in the last couple of weeks you know would have been impossible without God? But I say, how can you show your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Faith has to lead to action. And it does mean taking risks for Jesus. The next thing is you've got to count the cost. There has to be a price that you're going to pay. If you have faith and you're going to put it into action, it is going to, there is going to be a price to pay. You see, everybody wants to find out what the great purposes are that God has for them. What kind of superstar am I going to be? But, but no one is willing to ask, what is it going to cost? But here's what Jesus says. But don't begin until you count the cost. It's a good word right there, a whole sermon. For he who, could, who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it, Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you, and they would say, that's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. I don't know about you. I mean, I know I've started things in faith, and I failed to complete them. Completely fallen utterly on my face because I didn't count the cost before I started. You need to take the cost into consideration before you do it. And the reason why is because it may need faithfulness. It may need faithfulness. I want to let you into a little secret, something you sometimes don't hear in church. But I want to tell you it because I care for you guys. You ready for it? Cool. Life is not good all the time. Life is not good all the time. You are going to go through mountaintop experiences, but you're also going to go through valleys. You're going to go through good days and you're going to go through bad days. God has saved you to a different lifestyle. But at the end of the day, you are going to go through things. You see, listen, you are, God has saved you to a better lifestyle, but you are going to go through things that everybody in the world goes through. But the things that affect them won't affect you because of your faith in God. And that's what will cause you to stand out. You see, a light is only needed in the darkness. If you're a light in a room of other lights and you go out, no one notices. So God takes pleasure in calling you a light and then he brings you into the darkness. And the darkness isn't nice, but sometimes you go through rough patches. And the question I would ask you for this is simply this. Are you willing to be faithful? Are you willing to stay on course and not give up? Because there will be days in your life, folks, when you'll go through it and you will feel that like every promise that God has given you, the very opposite is happening. And that's okay. And next week, 
I'm going to tell you what's going on there. It's my little push for next week. I'll explain it to you. I'll explain to you why you're going through those bad days. But right now, I want you to know that God is calling you to act by faith and to stay faithful to what you're committed to. So you have an idea of your capacity and you're going to act on it. You say that I know my faith without works is dead. So I'm going to put my faith into action and that will lead to some kind of results. Results. Everything we do in life has results. We call them consequences or outcomes. And I want to tell you the importance of results. The importance of results. I'm going to tell you all about it next week. So we're going to finish right there. God has given every single one of us a measure of faith. And that measure is meant to be grown. And we resp- when we respond to the goodness of God and step out in faith and we become light in the darkness, God is calling us not to live a life of mediocrity. God has so much for each one of us that we step out in. So why don't we stand up? Some of the guys are heading off now for the to start setting up for us.